everyone, welcome to the Zwift Power Up Cycling Podcast. Matt Rowe here, and this is episode 67. And today, Kristen is taking the reins in talking to a Zwifter, Rachel Elliott, and she's got one hell of a background. British record holder in time trialling, amongst other stuff, which comes out in the, in the chat. Um, but time trialling, obviously a topic that Kristen and Rachel could talk about for days, I'm sure. Um, Rachel... Zwift legend, and I don't use that term loosely, you know, from being an extremely strong and central part of the Zwift community at, at a grassroots level. You know, Rachel's seen riding Zwift daily. Um, level 50 probably could be level 100 um, if, if that was possible. But also, Rachel competes on the bigger stages, you know, having completed in plenty of pro-am events on Zwift, doing the WTRL team time trials on Thursdays, just a thoroughbred Zwifter um, and an asset to the platform. But sadly, Rachel had a hemorrhagic stroke, which turned out to be life-changing. Um, and Rachel has a fascinating story, you know, but she's a very powerful woman on and off the bike. So without further ado... Here is Kristen's chat with Rachel Elliott. All right. Hello, everyone. It's Kristen Armstrong. And here with me today is a very special guest who brings so much inspiration, drive, resiliency, determination in anything and everything she puts her mind to. Her strong character is second to none. She is a well-rounded and accomplished woman, not only on the bike with her record-breaking time trial results, but also just as accomplished off the bike, as she currently is the head of thought leadership at the BCI and a professional violinist, a leader of Newbury Symphony Orchestra. Without further ado, I want to welcome Rachel Elliott to the Zwift Power Up Cycling Podcast. Rachel, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here talking to you today. You know, I may not know you on a personal level. However, racing with you on Zwift on occasion, as well as reading your stories and the accomplishments that you've had um, in time trialing, I feel like we're going to get along just fine. There's a lot of commonalities that we have in, I think, personality traits. And we'll talk about that later on, is it a time trial personality? I'm not quite sure, but it it really was freaking me out when I was reading your stories. I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm meeting somebody that I should really already know. Um, so Rachel, um, you have told your story many times. However, there's an amazing community which you know all too well, the Zwift community. And there's an opportunity to share your story and many of the Zwifters know your story. However, what intrigues me a lot about your story is where you are now and where you've come. And so it was just three years ago, your life turned upside down after suffering a stroke in February in 2018. And so speak to that. I know that you've spoken to it often, but I think it's important for those of you who don't know you, don't know your story, that, that you talk about this unfortunate occasion, um, occurrence, 
with the, the general Zwifter out there? It was uh, three years ago on the 21st of February 2018. Um, I got home from work pretty early. I'd already done a two-hour training session that morning, um, like I always did. I was a bit of an obsessive trainer. I'm sure, Kristen, you can probably relate to that. I couldn't, You couldn't pee me off the bike. I'd get up at five in the morning, do a two-hour session, go to work. Um, I finished work fairly early that day and I managed to get home and um, get on the bike for quarter to six. Um, I did a 15 minute warm up for my session and um, the six o'clock news came on and I remember there was a pretty depressing headline on us. This was while I was Zwifting and I thought I felt suddenly felt dizzy and I thought is this headline really having that much impact on me? Is it really distressing me that much that I feel this dizzy? And then it got worse and then I thought I'm going to have to stop my session so I reluctantly stopped my Garmin. I thought I was fainting so I I picked up my phone, lay on the floor um, and then my vision started to go quite seriously Um, and at that point I called 999. I knew there was something wrong. I was living on my own called 999 um, and don't remember a lot about that other than arriving at a hospital um, where I was informed um, when they did the CT scan, I'd had a, a major brain hemorrhage right in my brainstem and it had caused a stroke. So uh, the doctor then came back to me and he said, Rachel, you've had, um, <laughs> there's reasons for your symptoms. You've had this brain bleed. Um, And he said, it's a part of the brain that we can't get to. So with my very layman's knowledge, I thought that meant I was a goner, to put put it mildly. And again, I don't remember this, but I set about phoning all the people in all my walks of life, telling them I was about to die. And um, probably that was rather foolish of me. And I I shouldn't really have alarmed people in that way. But that's how I thought. And I, I just didn't know what to do. I was in a real state. And um from that day onwards i you know i couldn't really i couldn't walk i couldn't see um but you know i survived a couple of nights and i thought hang on this is this is okay i'm i'm going to get through this and it didn't take long it was about four or five days and i thought i'm i'm missing my bike <laughs> you know i was in this real state but i was missing a bike um and um a very good friend of mine then glenn knight he managed to get one of those little desk peddler things that people have under their desk if they want to stay a bit active in the office or if they're as obsessed as me, they want a Zwift um, while they're working. Um, Zwift had heard my story and I was absolutely stunned by this. They sent me an iPad so I could Zwift in hospital. Um, I spent two two hours a day Zwifting in hospital on this little peddler with the nurses and doctors wondering what the hell I was doing. Um, but in the end, they I won them over. And um, they said, this is actually a really good rehab device. Um, and I think it really helped me. It really helped me as I was recovering and um, as I was learning to walk again. Um, it was it was really, really good. And the other thing that helped me, it's a big mental thing when something this big happens to you. Um, my morning rides, I trained, just did it as a training ride. But in the evening, um, I rode with friends from the, the community all around the world um, on Zwift. And for me... I think that was the main thing that really helped get me through it. I'd, I'd ride with my friends from Kiss Racing Time. I'd ride with other friends. Um, and they even clubbed together. And one of the local people came and brought me all these goodies at one point. And, you know, I think that's testament to what Zwift is. And I don't think I'd have got that in any other way at all. Um, and 
it gave me a new perspective on life from from that day onwards. There, there's more to life than just getting on your bike, getting up at 4.30 and slaving away um, at intervals. And, you know, uh, I, I no longer really wanted to do that. And it took me a while to work out really what I wanted to do. And I just wanted to have fun after that. I wanted to have fun, um, really help other people to get the same enjoyment I was out of Swift and out of cycling. Um, and um, from that day onwards, I just trained much less so I got out of hospital I got back to training and I just trained as I wanted to train and um, that meant training you know eight ten hours a week rather than the 20 to 22 hours I was doing a week Um, and cycling was no longer that one thing in my life I had more time for friends Um, you mentioned the job I had I got that job after I had my stroke, despite not being able to see, um, and the BCI, it's Business Continuity Institute, so that's very a resilience-based organisation. So the two lend themselves to each other fairly well. Um, and, it, you know, it really, really helped sort of get me through it. And I also now do volunteering for Guide Dogs for the Blind. Um, I used to time trial solo, and I've switched to tandem. Um, and a very good friend of mine in Green Street, we race very, very regularly on the tandem. And hopefully we will again when when all this lockdown stuff disappears. Um, but it's it's different from before. It's really different riding on a tandem. You're riding for a team. You're no longer riding for yourself. And you, it's that sort of mutual enjoyment that you get. And it's 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 fun. It's no longer I no longer get stressed racing. I love racing. I love racing on the road. I love racing on Zwift. I like I love community racing. Um, so um, it's changed me as a person. I, I I would say now I'm a happier person than I was before the 21st of February 2018. It's really taught me to appreciate life. It happened two weeks before my 40th birthday. I was dreading turning 40, absolutely dreading it. And I turned 40. I was in hospital, I'd had a stroke and it made me realise, hang on, I've still got 40 years to live, at least I hope. And I had got to make every day really, really count. And I do now, you know, I really have to achieve something every day. That hasn't died for me, that achievement. I need to achieve something every day, whether it's cycling, whether it's work, whether it's something with friends. But the importance of relationships, friends, community has really, really elevated its position in my life's priorities now. Yeah, well, I mean, I can tell you that in every interview that I've I've read from you, that I've heard that you that you've done, I can tell automatically that you're a glass half full kind of gal. I mean, so you look at the good as well as the opportunity in front of you and you take it. And to me, you've confirmed, I was so excited to talk to you today because you've confirmed quite often somebody asks me like, "So, what was the number one thing that uh, you would say was the most important thing for your success in sport? And I, th- I thought long and hard about this for years. And I would go for bike rides and I would think, this is, why is this question so hard for me? Because, you know, obviously there's not one thing. And all of a sudden I had this aha moment and you've confirmed this for me. And I tell people that the root of success above and beyond everything is having a strong character. And Rachel, (laughs) 
you have proved time and time again, and you just kind of casually talked about, and I volunteer here, and I got a job here, and now I tandem here, and I'm like, seriously, let me just tell you what Rachel has done since three years ago, what she has accomplished, and I can guarantee you that most of you listening are gonna say, whoa, she's accomplished more in the last three years than I've ever accomplished in my entire life. And so um, there's a couple things that struck me since 2018. Um, first and foremost, you know, I think that the story around you and the first thing that you're doing is you're pedaling, and I saw a picture of it, you're pedaling on these little pedals in the hospital. But then when I read that you actually had power pedals hooked up to it so that you can actually Zwift, I was like, this is unreal. This is just not the mentality that most people have. Soon after, you get a new job. Um, you started Newberry Velo. Um, one of the quotes that you said that I really was taken back by was, I feel lucky to be alive and I'm not upset about what happened. Other people are far more upset than I am. And in that, again, we'll, talk, we'll come back to that, but this is not a normal mindset. Um, the, the quote of, I love racing far more than I did before the stroke. I'm doing half the training I used to, and my power is back where it was. And, and we know that because obviously, I saw one of the races that you did on, when you won on London Eight Course, and you demolished some of the fastest guys. And um, now you're off trying to set, or not trying, you, you're setting like time trial tandem records. In fact, I was talking to someone yesterday, the other day and mentioning that I was gonna interview with you and chat, and I'm like, you know, she should really, I wonder if she's looking at the Paralympics, like the tandem. And the next thing I know, I see an interview, I'm like, oh, she's already like broken that record. Like, I mean, so to me, there's this mindset and it goes hand in hand with time trialing. However, I wanna go back to where it started for Rachel, because I wanna go back to your childhood. I wanna go back to where this started, and I'll tell you why, is a lot of times people ask, well, how, how do you, can you help me train my mindset? Uh, what kind of character does it take to win, to be a champion? And I want to take you back to um, when was it that you started playing the violin? You mentioned that maybe taking the, I, I call it the sport of music or <laughs> being um, a violinist and how that helped you focus and transfer that energy over to the time trial. But yet also let's not forget about your snippet of a running career you had where let's not, let's not like, shove under the carpet your 17 minute and some change 5k. I mean, all these things align with performance and success. And I think it's going to be really interesting for our listeners. Not only have they heard your story, but the character, the resilience, where did this come from? Talk to us how you grew up. Were you, did you even know what a, like, What'd you do on your bike? I mean, did you roll down the road? I mean, let's talk about Rachel and what your your upbringing was like. Okay, so um, I was very, very lucky to have two good parents, I'd call them, um, both from education backgrounds. My mother was a head of science in a comprehensive school in the New Forest. 
and my father a French and Russian lecturer at university in Southampton. And I think both their backgrounds really helped me um, from a development perspective. And they weren't musical at all. They weren't um, sport focused in any way whatsoever. But what they did appreciate was the importance of extracurricular activities for children and developing. Um, and I was lucky to live opposite a piano teacher. And I pleaded and pleaded to have piano lessons. And when I was five, I was allowed to start. Um, I started the violin at school as well when I was four. So it's always been part of my life. Um, and I think the other thing is I'm a twin. I've got a, a twin brother. And as a twin, you're naturally competitive. He wasn't. I was. Um, I, you know, I wasn't nasty with it, but I, you know, I always wanted to be, um, you know, I, I always wanted to win. So I'd always read another um, another paragraph in a textbook or I'd, I'd try and read an extra book. Um, in reality, he's actually got a really good job now and is really nice. and He's got a great family. So I don't think it was really that worth it at the time. But um, I think um, my mum instilled this drive in me. She's an incredibly driven person. She's in her early 70s now. Um, she's you know, obsessed with ecology and, you know, plastics and saving the world. Um, she's got more Twitter followers than I have. And I think it was this drive that was reflected in me. Um, and from a very young age, I practiced the violin and the piano for hours a day, hours a day. Um, but my dad was a lovely person. And my mum was too, but my dad was a very placid, caring person. And I really like to think I've got that from my dad. He sort of made me a caring person. So I had this drive, but it was never at the expense of putting others down. I always wanted to see others achieve just as much as I did. Um, and, you know, I think this practicing every day, I did swim for a bit, um, but I had to give that up because piano and violin were taking six to eight hours a day. Um, and, you know, but all my life I've had to have something which I'm dedicated to. It's this obsessive, you know, obsessive personality. It's, you know, if I had to give up cycling tomorrow, I'd probably, you know, spend two and a half hours every day doing, you know, underwater basket weaving. You know, I, I need I need something to really keep my mind occupied. And, you know, it's it's lucky. It's it's really helped me keep focused and achieve in my life. But it can make you very single-minded and dull. And I'm, I'm very, very aware of that. And I, I don't want to become that person. I tell people to tell me if I am. Um, but, you know, now I am back cycling. Um, I'm not cycling as much as I did. Um, unfortunately, I, I can't play the violin anymore because I actually can't read music. So I've had to give up um, that position as, as leader of the symphony orchestra, which I miss. Um, you know, when technology lets me, I'm sure I'll get back to it. Um, but, you know, I think I had a, I was lucky with my upbringing and I had a lot of opportunities um, and, you know, I played with youth orchestras. I had a lot of other people around me. So I toured America. I toured New Zealand before I was 15. Um, and, you know, it was a it was a good life. I was very privileged. Um, and but again, always driven, always, always driven. I taught myself to touch type when I was 15 so I could go and get well paid temp jobs when I was 16 and. Um, 
And I, you know, all through university summers, I'd work for three months in the city, just, you know, doing um, PA work and, you know, sitting down on a sofa, there's, I, I can't do that. I just, I, I can't do that. I feel guilty, not to anyone else, but to myself. I feel, particularly now, I feel there's so much more I want to achieve before that day comes, it nearly came three years ago. Um, and it, it, that's what drives me on, um, that need, need to achieve and the need to make a difference in other people's lives. I really, really have to do that. And I've not done it enough yet. And, you know, you know, starting Ubri Velo, um, you know, I want to help children get onto bikes. It's a big passion of mine. Um, I've Since my stroke, I've um, passed my British Cycling Coaching qualifications not to become a paid coach, but because I want to do stuff with kid, kids in the community and beginners in the community. Um, we've raised money as a club to buy tandems. So we've got six tandems now as a club. And we're going to start um, helping other people in my position who are visually impaired um, go out on tandems. So I'm really excited about that. So there's a lot more now to get excited about. And it's not just about Rachel going out and achieving records on a bike. Yes, of course, I love to do that. I, you know, when, when we get comp record, competition record, as we call it here, national record, it's amazing. And that feeling, you know, I still get that buzz, but there's far more now. And I really do appreciate that. What, what, what would you say if you have one thing that motivates you each and every morning to get up and have this energy you have where you're like, I don't want to sit on the couch. I have so much more to give and I'm going to give everything I can. And I love riding my bike more than I ever had before. And so what is it that drives you every morning? Like there has to be something. Apart from the coffee. <laughs> my cats. <laughs> um, oh, there's always so much to do every day. I'm lucky. My job I love. There's always people to contact. There's always people I've got to chat to during the day. That, that really keeps me going. And I'm always learning. And every person I speak to, I learn from. Um, and you make a very good point about, you know, people being in different situations. And I like, you know, I, I'm a mental health first aider at work, so I regularly have to talk to people at work. And every, everything's relative. I had a stroke. I, you know, I, I actually think I was lucky that I had it. Um, and, you know, other people might have got something which could be considered fairly minor, but the actual impact on them is major. And if you can, if you can change you know, one person sort of thinking for the better, particularly during lockdown, it's it's such a struggle. I don't know what it's like in America, but we are quite severely locked down here and people are really struggling. And, you know, it, you want to make some kind of difference in that day. It doesn't matter. It could just be one little email. It could be um, stopping procrastinating on something and just doing it. Um, you know, if it is Swift Racing League on a Tuesday night, yes, you can you can have that as something that really, really gets you up. And that does now. It, I used to be, you know, confined to a sort of tunnel of fear on race mornings. But now it's like team time trial day. Yeah, come on. And it's I love to. And it's it's great because we, we have an absolute ball. Us and the girls on Socks for Watts absolutely love it. It's a real highlight of the week. So it's just, you know, when you go to bed, just think of something you'd like to achieve next day, something to look forward to. Um, and it can be difficult. It really can be difficult. And, and for a lot of people at the moment, there isn't a lot to look forward to. But I just say, you know, 
make arrangements to speak to someone, make arrangements to see a friend. I'm not shy in saying, you know, I've been fairly down in lockdown and, you know, I've sort of shriveled up into a cocoon sometimes. I've not wanted to talk to anyone. And my friends have reached out to me in that circumstance. And it, it, it really shows the goodness in other people and other people think like that. And I think it's, you know, the, the, the power of relationships now. And it's something I really, really do appreciate to have good friends around you um, who are supportive. And certainly with this new cycling club, it's given me that really supportive community. And um, yeah, I think <laughs> that's it. Yeah, I think that community is truly, it's almost our superpower right now. And I use the word community a lot and I haven't used the word community, I don't think, <laughs> ever in my life. And now I'm recognizing the power of the community and the risks that people are willing to take during this pandemic to be part of a community. And luckily there are some communities that are face to face in person. And so people are taking risk of like, I'm just going to go out because I need this community connection, but it's not just any longer for physical health. It's also for mental health. And then there's this community such as WIF that is virtual. And so that's also a community, but we also recognize that not everybody has been introduced or are part of, of this community. But there definitely is, is power to all of this. So one of the things about community, Rachel, that we haven't touched on, uh, you briefly mentioned um, a couple people in our conversation, but let's, let's talk about team. So we have team, like socks for watch, like you have your team that you go out and you like kill in the time trial and you're like, this is my team. We suffer for one another. But then you have your team, like you have your people that are like, have your back and you have the people that, that are going to be there for you no matter what. And they're the same people that were there for you when you were breaking the national time trial uh, record. And they were there for you in the hospital and they're still there for you starting the new club. So talk about who is your team and has your team grown or has it just been the same? <laughs> yeah, my team's grown a lot. Um, again, that is largely new Bivello, but it's also grown in this effect. I've actually got in touch with a lot of people who I'd lost contact with in the past. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you could say I've, I haven't got that many close friends, so I, I, I do miss that. Um, but I've got enough who look out for me, and, and they are becoming my new close friends. And for me, that's you know it's quite hard to accept. I think we've got this ingrained view, which is actually false, that your oldest friends are your best friends. But actually, my new friends they know they know the new Rachel, um, and they are now you know becoming my best friends, and we look out for each other. Um, a lot of them are now on Zwift, a lot, loads of them. We've got great ladies in the club and they battle around these races on Tuesday evenings. And, you know, they're, they're beginners. It takes them an awfully long time. And I've got so much respect for them. And we, we both, you know, we all rally each other around and we, we encourage each other. And there's this sort of mutual, mutual respect because I have so much respect for them. It took some of them two and a half hours to do that Innsbruck ZRL race recently. And it took us about an hour. And to do that, at the threat, the rate that they were going is impossible. Um, so yeah, my hat would take my hat off. So we're very mutually supportive of each other. And I think that's, 
how my friendships have changed. I'm, you know, I really appreciate the people around me and you, uh, I don't like to say, you know, giving something back because I'm not, I hate, I really hate that phrase with a passion. You know, I don't think you should have to give something back if, unless it, you, it gen, genuinely comes from you. I don't believe in sort of tokenism, um, but um, it, you know, I've, 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 I feel like that and I feel the friends I've got now in Socks for Watts, you know, we're genuine friends. Um, and it's, yeah, just a much better life, I have to say. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about today, and I mean, I, I can tell you right now, like, when I think about the setbacks I've had and the setbacks I've seen my team have or people in my life, um, oftentimes there's, you know, the, there's those who take the opportunity like yourself and they see and recognize opportunity and they're glass half full. And so this is Rachel. Now I know you're like a superwoman. You're like accomplished in so many areas and you've accomplished so much in the last three years, but let's talk about your challenges because let's humanize you a little bit because you are human and you do, I guarantee you have challenges that you face and though you have such a positive outlook, there are still things that are not easy. So what are some of those greatest challenges right now that, that you are finding, uh, whether it's accomplishing that goal of um, where you want to be next or just challenges um, each and every day? I mean, what, what are some of those right now? I think, I mean, the main challenge is my sight. Um, you know, I can't get out like I used to. I'm, I have to walk everywhere with a, a, a white cane. Um, that's is a big inhibitor to what I do. You know, I'm used to be able to working at a computer and type, uh, typing fast and working with multiple screens. And I can't, I can't physically do that. Um, and the fatigue still. Um, I try and ignore the fatigue. Um, I'm, you know, not a great believer in fatigue, unfortunately. And you know, when I get fatigued. I try and ignore it, but it does all build up sometimes. And every three or four weeks, I'll have a complete crash where my body just catches up with me. And I'm learning to get used to that. But, um, you know, I, I my, my main challenge is I take on too much. Um, you know, I've got Newbie Velo. I do. I want I'm setting up coaching programs. I'm doing a lot of other sort of cycling orientated stuff. I'm national secretary for a big time training association in the UK, various other things. It's, it's trying to fit all this in. Um, and you know, I, I, I do live, I do live with someone now and, you know, I think it's a real challenge because I'm always busy and I don't have time necessarily as much time as I have to, to just do what people do around the house. And, that that's a challenge because I really really want to get involved with as much as I can I I'm I can't say no to anything because I I just get excited about anything that's thrown at me and I want to you know you want to help people achieve things and you know I say yes 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 I'll do that because nobody else does and then then you get in a bit of a pickle so um, I, th I think that they are my main challenges just you know my enthusiasm is actually a challenge because it tends to get me involved in far too many things um, and I don't like letting people down and you risk doing that if you take on too much, <laughs> um, particularly when I can't see. <laughs> I can definitely relate. And, and so back to, um, your, your sight, was your sight 
Um, has it progressively gotten worse or was it where it is after, right after your stroke? Like, is this something that you've been managing for three years or has it been something that, that has progressively um, gotten just worse? No, so it was directly related to my stroke. So um, because my stroke was in my brainstem, um, the, um, it, that, that, that's a part of your brain that controls things like vision, like taste, um, uh, and those, those things. So I've lost a bit of sweet taste, which is annoying. Um, so, you know, I have to, you know, there's any excuse now to eat really, really sweet chocolates and sweets as my Sox Watts team will, will, um, empathize with. Um, but, um, no, no, the, the vision came on directly after my stroke. Um, it was such a little known condition. It's called paranoid syndrome. The, at the beginning, the doctor said your vision will get back to normal again. It didn't at all. Not, not, it didn't improve one bit. And around about nine months ago, it actually got worse. Um, so I've got about 5% visual field now. Um, and my acuity is pretty poor as well. Um, I've, when I swift, you know, I've got a massive screen uh, in front of me and I can use that little bit of vision that I have got, you know, in a team time trial, I can see, you know, just about where I'm going. Um, I can't see things like watts per kilogram. So, you know, some of these races in Swift Racing League where I just have to put my head down and, and go and I can't really see what the other riders are doing. That that really suits me. But in a bunch, it's impossible because I can't see who's sprinting. I can't see those numbers light up on the right hand side like I used to be able to. Um, so, no, our vision is pretty poor. I also can't move. I can't move my eyes left and right. So, on the screen, I can sort of focus in on me, but I can't see what my watts are doing or anything around me unless I sort of move my head. But then it sort of confuses my eyes a bit. So constantly moving left to right. <laughs> so um, that's that's a sort of chat. That's a big challenge, the, the sight. And it's something I've had to get used to fairly quickly. I'd always worn glasses for short sight, but so do lots of other people. But no, this is this is a big, a big change. And they're still trying to work out exactly what's going on because it's so rare. Yeah, I saw in a chat in one of the forums, I don't even know what all the forums are called, but I saw a message from you recently, I believe, where you talked about um, having a different colored jersey so that you can recognize um, the color, you know, because you go, you go on these group rides in Swift and sometimes you show up to the start line and you have the same club jersey as everybody. So it's really hard, right, to differentiate mm. yeah. you as a rider. Yeah. Yeah, so um, what um, what my other half did is he made everyone else in game naked and me in a kit. So <laughs> it was a bit of a bodge. I probably shouldn't say this on Zwiftcast, but it works to a certain extent. But so many group rides now. Um, I did a one of the 100K rides earlier this evening and um, everyone's in the same kit and I just can't, you know, I just have to sit in a bunch and, hope for the best and if I see myself getting detached um that can be pretty challenging but also I do some of the um Evo group rides which have fast become my favorite group rides and they know I join them and they tell me they communicate with me if I'm dropping back or and give me extra instructions um because I have to have them on my phone and then you have to sort of try and read them and it can get a bit confusing particularly when there's a complicated info interval session so it's sort of choosing the right rides and and um sort of adapting to what I can do. So, you know, I, I can't really do with the 
um, the, the regression I had in my eyes about nine months ago, I, I can't do things like prime racing now. Not well, I could, but I'd probably end up very disappointed. But because I, I just can't see well enough. So I love jumping in on community races, but proams, you know, I think it would end up as a bit of a depressing experience at the moment. Um, one of the things we talked about your fifty mile. I'm going to get back to the fifty mile time trial tandem record. Um, and his his your name his name is Ian, correct? Ian Greenstreet. Yeah, that's right. And I love that. First of all, I love the picture of the bike with the two of you because I'm like, well, that is a performance tandem. Like if I've ever seen a performance tandem, my husband and I, like this is a big secret. I don't want many people to know, but we owned a tandem. And because of that tandem, we almost got divorced like at least 50% of the time we were on it together. He has like a low cadence and I have a high cadence and I would be on the back and I would unclip and he's like, you need to pedal. I'm like, I'm not pedaling until you have an easier gear. And so it was super funny. We had a lot of disagreements, but I can't help but ask, Paralympics, any ambition for you? Uh, yes, um, but there's a big but with this. Um, British Cycling were in contact with me days after my stroke. Um, wanting me to get on the team. I said, at the point, I had no interest in racing. I, you know, I said, come back to me. And probably after about six months, um, I got out on a tandem with a, a friend and I thought, hang on, I enjoy this. And, and the same Ian, Ian and I, we took out um, a sort of touring tandem and I think we did a 21 minute 10 on it on a local course um and not not with too much effort we thought hang on if we can do that without really trying in winter kit um i could take this more seriously and then you know we invested in a better tandem and started to really get the numbers down that new tandem you saw in the photograph we haven't actually gone a lot faster than we did on our old, old tandem because we're still getting used to it um, but yes i think it's got a lot of potential um but it's um, I, I, I don't know. I think what you say about divorcing, I think a lot of people say that and have a laugh. I was very lucky with Ian. Um, I knew Ian for years and we used to go to time trials together. We've got a very similar way of pedaling um, and sort of naturally in sync. Um, I'm not married to him, so we don't have the divorce worries. Um, and, you know, I think we've got the same kind of ethics about racing we want the same things and go to the same races and enjoy it and um it's a new thing for him to do as well so he enjoys it as well but the paralympics yes i would absolutely love to do that i would have loved to have been picked to go to tokyo but unfortunately um the tests they did for my visual um acuity and visual field i had it done I think in August 2018, um, they couldn't classify me because my very rare condition didn't fill the tick boxes. Um, but this slight, this, this um, decay in my vision, which I've had more recently, that is probably that is enough to get me certified. But obviously, with COVID, nothing can happen. Um, so. I'll see what happens. I know I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now. I really, really enjoy the, the, the racing. Um, 
if it happens, it happens. You know, it's a, what a lovely end to the story that would be. And, you know, a really good film for someone to earn lots of money out of, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but um, yes, of course. But um, at the moment, I've, I've really got to be realistic about it so I don't build myself up and have, you know, a broken heart at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that you have to control your controllables. And when it comes to some of these decisions, um, going toward the Olympic Games, whether it's a political decision, whether it's something that you have to get tested for to be classified, some of these things are right now out of your control. And so I like that you're focused on the positivity and, and what you're working on right now. And if it's meant to be, it's going to happen for you. There's no question. But I always tell people that it's not about that one day. It's about the journey leading up to that one day. And the journey you have right now is quite amazing. In fact, people would say, hey, my journey, the Rachel journey right now is quite amazing and what you're accomplishing. So um, the Olympics is out there, but again, you know, you're still young 40s. Remember that, right? You're still young 40s. And I have, um, there's no, not a question in my mind that whether it happens for Tokyo or three years from Tokyo, that we'll see you there one day because of your drive. But the timing has to be right. The stars have to be aligned. And when they are, it will be your time. I have no doubt. And whether it's yourself or you're coaching the next athlete to the games, something will be a fairy tale ending to your story. Um, I know that, that you'll get there. I um, want to thank you for taking the time to, to, to chat with me today. And you're super open. I know you've told your story and sometimes you're like, you know, it, it, how many times can you tell your story? Your story is going to impact so many people and it already has. But the goal when I'm on the Power Up podcast is I want people to really know who you are as a person. Um, I like to end with one question with you and it might feel like, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? But I love it because it makes you think. If I were to ask you, um, how would your teammates, how would your, your, your family, how would people that are part of Rachel's team, how would they describe you? <laughs> I'll answer so one condition. You answer the same question in a second. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. Um, how would they describe me? I think totally obsessed, but also absolutely bonkers. <laughs> I love that. Your turn. I love that. My turn. I think I get described two different ways. My competitors, when I was racing, would describe me as fierce, always had my game face on, and sometimes non-approachable. The people who knew me off the bike would describe me as humble, fun, loving, caring, and a great teammate. And so, it was always, I felt like I was always playing two roles, but I took my job super serious and I took what I did um, serious as well. 
but yeah. Well, that's what made you who you are. Those two, the marriage of those two characteristics. And I've never had anybody ask me that question back, but it's not an easy question to answer, is it? <laughs> no. So Rachel, is there anything that you want to share that I haven't asked you today that, that you want the world to know? I just say to people, try and make the most out of each day. It really doesn't matter if you don't get that swift session in exactly how you want. Try and achieve something else. Try and achieve something else that day. Um, set yourself a goal and achieve it. Even if it's the smallest thing in the world, trying a new coffee, um, you know, something else. Any, anything's good at the moment. So just, just set yourself a goal for the day, try and achieve it and just live every day as it comes. You never know what's going to be around the corner. You really, really never know. I nearly died, had a 10% chance of survival. So um, I'm not saying that's going to happen to you, but, um, you know, it could. And you just have to live it each day as it comes now. And I try and make the absolute most out of every single minute that's given to me. Wow, that's great advice. I got goosebumps from that. And I automatically, my mind runs like yours, like a million miles an hour. And I thought, what have I done today? Differently. Rachel just told me to do something differently today or make the most of it. So um, it's only three o'clock my time. So I have some time to uh, make the last part of my day even better. So thanks again, Rachel. I appreciate every minute that you gave me today. I know how busy you are. And I look forward to seeing you on Zwift. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Okay, you're back with me to close out today's episode. I love what Rachel concluded with there. Just her attitude of, you no know, trying to, or her advice of, just try and make the most out of each day. It's, it's a nice outlook to have for life in general, but taking that forward from a, a training perspective, try and make the most out of each day, try and make the most out of each session. You know, if you've got bad legs... That's it's, it's such a first world problem. You know, a bit of perspective on things. Don't beat yourself up. Whilst you've gone to the effort of getting your kit on, jumping on Zwift or going out in real life, whatever you're doing, whilst you've committed to that process, make the most out of that session. And of course, not every time you get on a bike is about training hard and specific with efforts. Um, you know, but whatever you're doing on that day, whether it is some sort of efforts, whether it's I know, a race on Zwift, whether it's a social ride with your, your friends, whatever, while you've made the effort to cycle on that given day, you know, make the most out of it. And just, just the enjoyment factor, you know, just enjoy that, that, that pleasure you get from from riding a bike i know I'm, I'm guilty sometimes of kind of going out on the bike and thinking right now wh when i'm when i'm riding the bike thinking right okay when i finish now what have i got to do i've got to do xyz got to be this place and sort that thing out just make the most of the time you've got to be able to switch off and just enjoy enjoy the cycling for that hour or whatever period that is because we've all got busy lives and as soon as we're off the bike uh you know life just takes over in all sorts of, 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 of formats. But yeah, if, you are, if, if things aren't going to absolute plan with a set of intervals, don't stress about it. Just make the most of it, do your best, and then reflect and plan after that session. And if that means kind of having, um, so say today's efforts, you know, you really suffered, you have to, you have to cut, them, cut them halfway. That may mean tomorrow then becomes a rest day. That's all it means. You just tweak your plan, depending on how you feel. Make the most out of every situation you find yourself in, guys. We only live once. And on that note, ride on. Right